Hello and welcome to the Miko Bits show. And I'm your host, Miko Bits. And uh, today we have uh, Kevin from Gitcoin. And, uh, you know, as you probably know, I'm a open source nerd for maybe decades. So, you know, I'm extra super excited about this and, you know, really want to understand more about these quadratic lands, progressive decentralization, mm-hmm. and, you know, lots of juicy topics. I think we, we're really in for, a, I think, a great wild ride. Uh, so, uh, Kevin, uh, nice to see you. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? Thanks for having Ex- me. Yeah, I'm very excited, as I mentioned. So, uh, I guess, you know, for for absolute, you know, people who've been hiding in a cave, like, you know, can you tell <laughs> people what's the problem that Gitcoin solves? Totally. So Gitcoin is a place that you can get coins if you are a software developer working on open source software. We are focused on providing funding for open source software. And hopefully when there's funding for open source software, software developers can stop working their their day jobs in corporate America or 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 just generally and move on to working on open source and pay their mortgage with working on open source software. And so we just want to build rails from people who want to fund open source and are looking for developers to open source software developers. I think uh, Richard Stallman uh, said that uh, from Free Software said said that that developers should probably like wait tables or they should probably, you know, because he was very Mm. much kind of the hardcore of like free software, but, but, you know, free isn't free beer, but you know, I, I, I'm super pumped up about like this new era, you know, which is kind of ushered in by, uh, you know, Satoshi and, and his merry men and women. So I guess, uh, I'm curious about sort of how, uh, how you see this evolution of kind of almost, professionalization of open source and how you know how do you see how do you see this evolution right well um so so i just want to note that like richard stallman i think is in a lot of ways one of the forefathers of open source but talks about free software a lot um which is which is basically um different from from open source software open source is like sort of like a, a progeny of the free software movement and so Definitely a, a forefather, but I don't know how much like how, how much Richard and I share values just being from different generations. Um, For sure. But but yeah. Um. Uh. So so yeah. Uh, actually, to answer your question is like um. Basically, I, the opportunity that I see now is that we've got an open source financial system with trillions of dollars of capital in it, and the insight behind Gitcoin was that in the old financial system, some back office on Wall Street is going to handle the IT tech stuff and in the new open source financial system open source software developers which have completely different norms and values than you know someone who works on the back office of wall street is going to be the ones that's building the plumbing for the financial system and so just a completely different paradigm for for how to approach open source and now we have programmable money um and so i think it's really exciting to think about the the fact that there's trillions of dollars of capital chasing too few developers means that we could maybe provide some monetization mechanisms for open source which couldn't exist in the old world it's so exciting and i feel like you know uh, satoshi in some way solved the hard problem and left a lot of things as an exercise to the readers of the white paper and the source code right mm-hmm. because in essence like if you actually look at the bitcoin core dev like the number of bitcoins that they had and they were incentivized by is 
almost random, right? <laughs> like like there's mm. uh, some of them did a lot of mining early on and some of them did zero mining early on. And it's so, so in a sense, like there wasn't necessarily a concept of sort of fairness uh, involved, right? So it wasn't really treated as sort of a project equitization. So I guess I'm curious what your thoughts are about fairness, you know, because I think that compensation and fairness are, are interesting topics. Yeah, one of the hard problems with software development is that in a lot of ways, it's art, um, you know, and how do you value art? Uh, clearly, I value art, by the way. Yeah, beautiful background. Art, art by Nelly uh, is this amazing Ethereum artist. Check out her NFTs. Um, so, so like, you know, as opposed to like a commodity, like, you know, I just had a banana for lunch and I know how much a banana costs because there's a market for it and every banana is fungible to every other banana. Um, but with open source software developer, it's art. Uh, and, and, and I wrote a PR this morning that I don't know if it'll ever be merged. And if it is merged, will it solve the customer problem. And if it solves the customer problem, what is that worth? And so there's a real question of how do you price open source software contributions? And there's really some amazing work being done with source cred and, and, uh, I think radical and OS coin are working on like building algorithms to basically price fairly contributions to an open source project relative to each other. And so um, the mechanism that Gitcoin Grants uses is this thing called quadratic funding, which is basically a way of allocating capital according to what a community values. And so, you know, we can we can go down the quadratic funding rabbit hole if you want, but I'll say that fairness in funding open source is an unsolved problem at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And But I love all the references and the you know, wonderful people that are working on it. And obviously, as you say, the thing that is astonishing and beautiful about the way you describe it is, is that the way I've been thinking about it is that like time is non-fungible, right? And mm -hmm. so like ultimately, uh, and, and, but it's also scarce, provably scarce, right? So the thing that's mm -hmm. fascinating is that the kind of conversion of this non-fungible time into fungible currency units, you know, ends up becoming, uh, mm -hmm. I think art is the best way to describe it. So I, I do think that's a really astonishing uh, and, and of course, extremely unsolved problem. But I, I would say one thing that for the audience's sake, I'd love for you to talk about is quadratic. Uh, you know, uh, funding. So, so you know, t t I, I've, I've definitely heard Vitalik talking about it, but like, I'd love to hear your uh, description and, and, you know, help people understand this. Sure. Um, is it okay with you if I share my screen and just like visual, it's easier to- Oh, like, that would be wonderful. Absolutely. Please go ahead. Cool. So um, the Gitcoin community, which who are amazing, uh, helped me create this utility called WTFisqf.com. And it's, oh, it's basically the idea is, um, you know, we've got a link to the paper about quadratic funding at the bottom yep. of the footer here. And you can see that it's this really amazing, legitimate uh, paper that also happens to be 31 pages long. And I know my audience, they have short attention spans. So I created <laughs> a shiny neon version of this uh, tool to talk about what quadratic funding is. And so basically quadratic funding is according to Vitalik and Glenn, the mathematically optimal way to fund public goods like open source software in a democratic way. Um, public goods are just things that are non-excludable and non-rivalrous as opposed to something you would get on Amazon, like say a microphone. Um, public goods like open source, like you can download open source software and it doesn't prevent me from downloading open source software because it's like, it's infinite. Um, and it's available for free online. 
and and that that's that's what a public good is open source open source is a public good um, so anyway, we have built this nice little calculator that helps us talk about what quadratic funding is. And basically what it is, is that you raise a matching pool. The matching pool on Gitcoin grants is $500,000 per quarter we deploy on Gitcoin grants. And then basically what you do is you deploy that matching pool contemporaneously, which is just a famous or a, a fancy way of saying at the same time as a crowdfunding campaign. And the way that it works is that um, if project A gets $10 from 10 contributors and project B gets $10 from one contributor, then the project with the wider base of support, even though it raised the same amount as the project with the narrow base of support, gets way more of the matching funds. And so what's really cool about this is that we're funding the projects that have the broader base of, of support. And so we're pref like funding the, the, the projects that like, the poor and the many want to see funded oh, instead of the uh, of the rich and the few. And so um, one of the problems with with public goods is this idea of the free rider problem, which is like, I already get open source for free. Why do I, would I bother contributing to it? And the answer that quadratic funding provides to the free rider problem is that your $10 donation could be matched with $75. So it's advantageous for you to take out your wallet and to actually fund the project. And the result on an aggregate basis is that um, the number of contributors matters more than the amount funded, which pushes power, funding power away from whales and towards the edges of the network and creates more democracy and public goods funding. So that's quadratic funding, and that's how we're funding open source software on Gitcoin. We funded about $20 million on Gitcoin, and quadratic funding is a big part of that. That's Beautiful and wonderful. I, I think it's uh, very super exciting. And uh, when you talk about sort of public goods, like I, I, you know, you mentioned that Gitcoin is sort of developer oriented, but like, how do you see uh, kind of other other kind of public goods you know that meet the that meet the criteria that you describe right so for example like uh you know art or production of art or production of memes or production of uh, other other yeah. kind of downloadable public goods or open public goods yeah um really great question i view myself as uh an experimenter uh, a, a cosmonaut if you will of of the <laughs> of the new world and um the reason why we're starting with software developers is that it that's a market that I know. I am a software developer, if you can tell by my software developerness. Um, <laughs> but also, it's just like it's a great place to start with using blockchain technology for good because software developers, a there's a massive need for software developers in the space. Excuse me. Um, and b software developers are going to figure out what a nonce is, uh, how to broadcast a transaction, um, how to use layer two technology before anyone else, just by ne necessity. And um, and so it makes sense to start prototyping this technology with software developers because there's a massive need and people are going to figure out the tech. And then we can take what we've learned with software developers and take it to journalism and take it to art and take it to physical infrastructure and take it to building clean air and clean water, like all these other public goods that are so important and uh, lack funding right now. I think that we could take the lessons that we learn with funding open source to, to them. Um, and by we, I mean like the wider we, like Gitcoin, Gitcoin's got our hands full funding open source software. Please copy our technology and our ethos and take it to a completely new public good. I would love it if if your listeners wanted to get involved in and just wanted to copy Gitcoin and, and pick a new market segment and, and do stuff there. 
that's tremendous and exciting and very uh, uh, aligned with the sort of spirit of the open source world. So uh, I guess I, I, I'd love to kind of understand a bit about progressive decentralization. I know that like mm. you did a wonderful recent announcement about uh, the quadratic lands and the emergence of a, you know, a tokenized decentralized governance mechanism or scheme. So I'd, I'd love to hear you describe a little bit about that and, and talk a little bit about, you know, what's new. Totally. So uh, Gitcoin has delivered $20 million worth of funding to software developers. And we, let's see, we started in 2017 when everyone who could spell Ethereum was doing an ICO. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're like, how many of your listeners were around then, but it was a pretty crazy time. <laughs> We decided not to do an ICO in 2017 because we wanted to just focus on building a product and community that people loved. And there was really nothing to govern yet. Um, fast forward to 2021, we've done $20 million worth of funding for open source software. Um, and we have like governance problems coming out of the years. Um, like quadratic funding has, has basically like different governance problems, which is basically like what constitutes fraud, how big should the round size be, which grant should be eligible for the round. We have governance problems coming out of the ears. And so we launched Gitcoin DAO, which is basically just a, uh, a governance token, which allows community stewards, people who are in the Ethereum community to ratify the round sizes and criteria. And the whole idea here, Miko, is the consent of the governed. It, which is the only valid legitimate basis for governance in the world, as opposed to like the divine right of Kings. Um, we want the community of Bitcoin <laughs> to be governing, governing Gitcoin. And that's the idea behind GTC. So um, yeah, that's, that's what we launched. And I'll just say that um, GTC and Gitcoin DAO is a, is, is a vessel to the quadratic lands, which is just basically this mythical place that we're trying to meme into existence where public goods are well-funded and there's more digital democracy and there's serendipity in your economic interactions. And we're just trying to build this better world using programmable money and by funding community goods. And, and the quadratic lands doesn't exist yet, but if we meme it, they will come. We need to teach people to long for the quadratic lands and how a better world is possible using programmable money and public goods. And then we can build a vessel that actually takes us there. And so it's kind of like a, uh, a two-part thing. There's Gitcoin DAO, which is going to be the vessel and the quadratic lands, which is the build, the world we're trying to build. That's a beautiful vision. I, you know, I, we're, we're, we're rowing towards the, uh, the far shore. Uh, it's a it's a very exciting kind of picture, and, and and for me, you know, it's an incredibly powerful and aspirational thing. I think you said something that really strikes a chord with me, which is this idea of the consent of the governed, right? Which is, in a way, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about freedom, right? And mm -hmm. I think to me, the way I'm thinking about freedom now is I'm thinking, you know, Meta Meta Kovan said something interesting upon buying the. $69 million people art, which is, you know, he said that, that crypto is the new America, right? And, mm -hmm. and it's interesting because he didn't say that America was the new America, right? So, so to me, the mm -hmm. thing that I find interesting is the idea of choices, right? And, and mm -hmm. I think the thing that's interesting is that, you know, um, instead of kind of getting, you know, the reason why I think it's, it's, interesting is that that there are uh, I, I feel like the consent of the governed is is really about choosing your own adventure right but ultimately it becomes about choosing the rules that you uh, decide to uh, play 
right? So it, in right. in essence, I think what's what's the two things that are super necessary are a plethora of rule based environments, right? Mm-hmm. And then the consent, which can also be withdrawn at any time, right? Because I think mm-hmm. if you don't have if you don't have the ability to join and then withdraw, then you don't have freedom at all. So totally. so I guess those are the kinds of things that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Right. Yeah. I mean, one of the memes that we've been trying to spread is that crypto wasn't designed to make you rich. It was designed to make you free, um, which is provocative. And it's hard to know the difference between which is which (laughs) sometimes in crypto. But the thing that I'm excited about is a transparent, transparent, immutable economic system where the rules can't be changed on me. You know, and, and one of the things that I think is really fucked up about the gig economy and like Uber is basically you've got these like Silicon Valley investors who lean on the management team to extract as much as possible from the drivers of Uber. And that's fucked up. Like that's the divine right of kings in the 21st century, right, right there. Um, if, if drivers were making the rules for the system that they were involved in and there was more of like a cooperative type structure, I think that that would be a better substrate for for the economic system like basically the problem with these like web 2 silicon valley companies is that this is an idea from chris dixon where basically like in order to get off the ground a a startup that's its marketplace will will work really hard to attract users in like in the case of uber like drivers and riders and then they hit an inflection point where there's a network effect like network effect just means that every driver that joins uber makes it better for every rider and every rider that joins makes it better for every rider. Like there's a network built in. Um, And once they hit the network effect, they start extracting from you. And so what we're trying to do in crypto is build transparent economic games where the rules can't be changed on you. And so what if we went from attract extract to attract enable as we hit the network effect, the rewards are reaped back to the early users. And that's what I'm really excited about with, with crypto based governance systems. We, I, I love the mindset because I do actually use the concept of what I call the extraction economy as sort of the high order descriptor, right? So people mm-hmm. talk about the sharing economy, the attention economy. The other day I saw the adrenaline economy, which is kind of unfortunate because they were actually talking about dopamine. But like for me, the thing that is the highest order bit is extraction, you know, and that's problematic, right? And I th- to me, the, the thing that counteracts that is more like the ownership economy. You know, and I, one of the things that we've been working on uh, in, in, in the Philippines is actually uh, a yield guild, right, which is sort of the first kind of online metaverse economy labor union, you know, and it's a, it's a really interesting thing, you know, because what's happening is people who used to drive taxis are now driving axes, you know, so it's a, it's a really kind of a super, I, if you haven't looked into it at all, I'd, I'd love to kind of share it and get your you perspective. It's called Yield Guild Games. So it's a, Guild it's Guild a, Games. yeah, YGG. You should definitely check it out. Uh, I'll send you some links after the show because I think it'll blow your yeah. mind. It's definitely kind of like maybe a little archipelago in the quadratic lands, perhaps, you know, so I, th- I think mm-hmm. I'd love to have you kind of uh, contemplate that, you know, but I, I do believe that, we, you know, the thing that is is happening that is the, that are the stakes today is that we're where the stakes are, um, you know, is op- is open source going to kind of like uh, free money and make it transparent and consensual or, or, is, or is money going to like, you know, change everything so you know that that's that's those are the stakes but i, I feel like uh gitcoin's yeah. on an amazing uh side of this and it's it's really encouraging to see 
you know, all, all, all of the growth. Um, tell, tell me a bit more about sort of, uh, you know, yourself, like a, a little bit about your, like, I'd love to learn about your sort of, uh, you know, this, your superpowers and like, how, how did this happen for you? <laughs> totally. Um, I'm from Southeastern Pennsylvania and my father was a physics professor growing up, uh, was the first kid on the block to have computers. Um, and was, I mean, you know, I was what was your first computer. computer? If I may ask, Oh man, it was like an Apple chew or something like that. We played a lot of awesome. games when I was young. Yeah. And if you're not at least an elder millennial, you might not know what that is, but it was the precursor <laughs> to the Macintosh. Um, but yeah, I was just like a computer nerd basically growing up. Um, I started my own web hosting company in high school and I, uh you know i was like trying to save up money to get a car and i would work i was working as a busboy at outback steakhouse and there were some nights where my my like web company would i would make more money than i would have like my shifts at as a busboy and <laughs> so like that showed me pretty early that entrepreneurship and going off the beaten path could be a rewarding thing and um but when I got my computer science degree from University of Delaware in 2006, I just went into corporate America because that's what career services told me existed. Like, I didn't even know startups were a thing back then. I just thought I was going to be stuck in corporate America for my life. And I, I fucking hated it. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on your podcast. Of course but, you are. Um, I just like, it was just really, un like, it was very hierarchical. Um, the commute was long. I didn't relate to any of my coworkers at all. Um, and eventually, like, oh, shoot, my um, so eventually, uh, the Facebook platform comes out. This is 2008. They released their API. Um, and I create a Facebook games company. And again, I'm making more money off of my side hustle than I am off of my main job. But like now I have a, like a real big boy job, like full-time, you know, software engineer, you know, business cards and everything. And I'm like, whoa. So like maybe entrepreneurship is a thing that I should do instead of climbing this corporate ladder. Um, and I got, I got an offer to go through Techstars in 2008, um, with these, two, I met these two guys that like just on Craigslist that were starting an online Amazing. dating website Amazing. and they had got, they had gotten into Techstars already and they needed a CTO for their company. And so like, I just quit my job and moved from the East coast to Colorado to go through Techstars, like after meeting these guys once and I was their CTO <laughs> of their dating site. <laughs> Which was weird, um, but they were cool. They were cool. Like I, 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 they're my best friends. Like these days, they're one of my best friends. And um, that startup raised money, and we scaled it to three million users. And I really cut my teeth as a technology entrepreneur doing that. But the startup, you know, was acquired, hired. wasn't a great success. And I've just been building tech startups pretty much for the last thirteen years because of that experience. Everything that I've ever built has been built using open source technology, but I had never given back to open source. And so, you know, when I started getting into blockchain, um, I, I, I've been into blockchain stuff basically since like 2013, 2014, uh, I've Gitcoin is like my seventh blockchain project, but it's just wow. the one I was throwing, I was throwing spaghetti at the wall and it's what sticked. And so rapid prototyping to create startups is, is sort of, you know, I guess that's maybe a superpower. Um, it might be a super super weakness though when you go to try to scale them and kevin turns out kevin made them out of duct tape but that's a that's a whole nother story uh so yeah rapid prototyping and just being on the bleeding edge is kind of what i've been focused on the last five years oh but that's uh that that to me like it, it's less important to be any specific thing 
other than yourself, right? So, you know, in a way, like, you know, people will come along later and, and do whatever, you know, they'll do their thing, you know, but, but you know, it sounds, totally. sounds like an amazing thing. And tell me a little bit about kind of uh, a little bit about the story of, of Gitcoin. Like, you know, it sounds like you've been doing a bunch of interesting things, but like, how did this one start to kind of germinate? Yeah. So like I said, it's like maybe my fifth or sixth blockchain project. I tried to start a hedge fund in 2017. I created this like wow. ad block to Bitcoin thing that like got written up in Wired Magazine. Um, and like basically, yeah, there's several side projects, but I didn't realize until 2017 that blockchain could be a career. Um, there just like wasn't enough money in it and I didn't know anyone who was working in it. And so um, 2017 rolls around and I'm on like my fourth or fifth blockchain project. And I'm like, do I want to create another hedge fund, like another crypto coin hedge fund? Um, it just felt like Gitcoin was like something that was uniquely, I was something passionate about and actually had staying power. Like all these blockchain based protocols need software developers. And I'm really good at hiring and enabling software. Like I basically hired 50 software engineers in my like 12 year career as a VP engineering CTO. And so like, I know how to recruit software engineers and I know that re software recruitment is broken. Like, can we can we create a marketplace that that helps software engineers find jobs and it helps protocols find software developers? And um, I lucked out. Joe Lubin, the founder of Ethereum, was uh, willing to fund Gitcoin for several years. And so uh, I launched Gitcoin in my basement independently of consensus in 2017. And it was just me and my friends that were using it. But then when I got Joe to invest in me, all of a sudden MetaMask and the Ethereum Foundation and Gnosis would take my calls, which was really a level up uh, in terms of getting Gitcoin off the ground. But I'm happy to say that the mission has always been to grow and sustain open source and to economically empower software developers. And that remains the mission to these to this day. Like even as, it, as the corporate forum has changed and as we've had different products, the mission has stayed the same. And that's what I'm most proud of. That is very exciting. So I, I would love to kind of hear about sort of, uh, you know, th this is stuff that we've already been hitting uh, quite a bit, but I, I, I really want to get to sort of the, what I call the big idea, you know, which is, you know, how, how do you see, I mean, the quadratic lands are obviously kind of the big, big idea, but like, you know, let's mm -hmm. keep baking that. Like, I think there's so much in there that I'd love to hear your perspective on. Yeah, totally. Um, so basically the quadratic lands is the promised lands for digital democracy and public goods funding. Um, and so basically like you can actually go to quadraticlands.com and Ooh. you can see this beautiful microsite that we've built to talk about Gitcoin DAO and basically how it's enabled by the Gitcoin token. Um, still focused on the same mission of building and funding open source software. And, and basically like, you know, there's unicorns in the quadratic lands. Super proud of that. Um, and and basically the idea is that what we're trying to do is the big idea here, uh, Miko, is that Ethereum can be more than just a decentralized casino. We can build multiplayer <laughs> games that fund the commons and that fund public goods. And this can and and we can basically we have programmable money. We have programmable money. We value open source software. We value public goods. We can build monetary systems with programmable money that fund public goods. Like th those are the first principles that we're assembling to create the big idea, which is that we can build regenerative finance. We can build better economic systems 
uh, by building multiplayer games. And, and that's, I think, the big idea that they get coin circling. Super pumped up about this. Uh, you know, I think there's a huge kind of like a gamer culture within the crypto world, you know. And to me, I think any situation where someone is consenting to a rule-based environment that they're able to withdraw consent from is effectively a game, right? So, so you know, so in a way, my definition of game has to do with the seeking of fairness, which is why I asked you about fairness before, right? So, in a sense, it's it's interesting because game, some game environments are provably less pleasant than the real world. You know, so in a sense, I feel like people go into those seeking catharsis and seeking kind of fairness and, you know, or equal unfairness, you know, but in a sense, like they want to get this this experience. And I think you're, you're right about this idea of machine adjudicated fairness. Right. And obviously governance is the meta game where humans adjudicate fairness. Right. And the thing that I think is important about fairness is, you know, anyone who's sort of joined a game guild knows that the thing that destabilizes it is loot drama. Right. So, so in, in essence, like this, yeah. yeah, adjudication of the rule set is really, you know, especially, and, and that's a governance topic. Right. So I guess, I guess for me, I'm interested in kind of unpacking your view of like gaming, you know, cause it sounds like you're talking about something that's perhaps even more, uh, mm-hmm. traditionally computer game like. So I, I'd love to kind of get, yeah. get that vision out. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny, like, I, I tried to start a VR company before I started Gitcoin. Um, I built, we built a VR meditation app, uh, which was like the most Boulder, Colorado thing I've ever done. Like, I, entrepreneurship and I'd meditation. love to try it. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. But anyway, so like, one of the things that I have is like, I'm not, I'm not a huge video game player. I was when I was a kid, but like, there's something about like, when I have a job and I have a family that just kind of feels like escapist to, to like spend a lot of time playing video games and like no judgment to people who don't have like no judgment to people who play video. Like it's just, it's just for my, my time in my life right now, it's not the right thing for me. Um, And so when I talk about games, I talk about economic games, which is basically like, think like the prisoner's dilemma type coordination games where basically it's a multiplayer game and you know, um, the prisoner's dilemma is this famous game theoretic concept where basically like two people are captured by the authorities they're separated and they are each offered a better deal on their sentence if they rat on each other but the 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 actual like solution is for them to coordinate and to know that they're not going to rat on each other and they both get out free um, but because there's no coordination mechanism for them to to coordinate that they're not going to defect from each other, then they both defect on each other and they both get sent, sentenced into prison. And so, like, basically, coordination is just a super important part of economics if we want to build a better better community and collective good, being able to find mechanisms through which we can trust each other and verify that each other are telling each the truth, then we can get to that that outcome where no one defects from each other, and and we create a better economic game for everyday people. and And so, when I talk about games, I'm thinking about like game theory as opposed to like a video game. But it is actually yeah. super important because if if we can coordinate, like it's it's all coordination. Like that's that's really what it all comes down to when we're funding our ecosystems is coordinating with each other to, to create a better world um, instead of defecting and just uh, and 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 just doing what's what's good for us um 
there's this concept, uh, another mechanism for for understanding what I'm talking about is this thing called bentoism, which is basically like, if you're gonna build an economic system, don't just build one that builds instant gratification for individual people, um, build one that optimizes for the outcome of what's the collective good and what's gonna be good in the future. So instead of just having incentives of now me, you now have future me and future us and, and, and now us. And so you're creating a bento box of incentives and that's the economic system that I'm hoping that we're building with Ethereum. I would love to study. I'm. Thank you for the reference. I'm definitely going to check out bentoism. You know, I do like sushi. I like uh, uni. I like all that good stuff. <laughs> uh, unagi. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm very into bento boxes. But uh, you know, I I think it's. Um, I'm glad you really unpacked this. I mean, one of the things that's fascinating and emergent is really this idea of freedom that kind of potentially can include externalities, right? So for example, uh, if you look at coordinated behavior, you know, we're seeing that on uh, AMC, we've seen it on GameStop, you know, so we, we're seeing these kind of exported external, you know, these kind of, but those those are really oddly externality producing. So I'm kind of curious what your take, what your hot take is on kind of Thomas Schelling coordination, you know, but but in, in meme coins or in things that are kind of not, maybe not a little less kind of, uh, you know, constructive with respect to things like building the quadratic lands. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I will say, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think we tweeted something a couple of weeks ago that any sufficiently advanced coordination mechanism is indistinguishable from a meme, which I just got like, it, it kind of like tickled me because there's that Albert Einstein quote that any yes. sufficiently advanced technology is, is indistinguishable from magic. And I, um, but the reason for that I thought is that was uh, Arthur C. Clarke. But maybe, maybe, oh, maybe, maybe it not. is. Maybe it's message. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, I've been trying to fund public goods in open source software for the last four years, and I've been like working really hard at it. And one day I wake up and Vitalik Buterin had sent Gitcoin $500 million worth of dog tokens. I love um, that. <laughs> and I was kind of like, what even, what is reality? Like, why, how is this even happening? Um, but it best. turns out that um, these dog coins had given a launch of their allocation to Vitalik so that they could use Vitalik's name in marketing. And Vitalik yep. was like, no, I don't want, I don't want no, none of that. And he sent it to the India COVID relief fund and to Gitcoin yep. um, for a good cause. And now we have this governance problem, which is what do we do with all these dog tokens? Um, which I'm so glad that it's up to the governance and not to me now. How <laughs> beautiful. After four years of doing this. But, yes. um, but anyway, so like, um, Miko, I would agree with you that there can be coordination that doesn't create greater good and creates even harm. Um, and I would agree yep. that there's coordination that creates a shelling point for the, like, I think Ethereum is the shelling point for the hopeful. People who are tired of the status quo and the institutions we inherited from the boomers and want to build a better world. Um, but, you know, it's actually funny to think about the latter category, like coordination just for mimetic sake accidentally falling into this positive sum game of funding public goods and like the the the, the joining of the gitcoin community with the akita community is like two like galaxies colliding regen it's, it's a regen and degen shotgun wedding yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> so that's our hope is that we can is that we can hope pill all of these degens and make them into regen finance people instead of degen but but we'll see uh, it's an incredibly astonishing confluence of like heaven and earth and 
heaven and hell yeah. and just this insane like happenstance i i love the story and i i just think it's there's something incredibly poetic and wonderful you know and i i, I think it's it's been it's been great and it's been great watching vitalik's kind of leadership and and how how impactful and important and significant it's been through through the the dog coin meme coin uh sort of debacle i so i, I i'm super excited to kind of get get that sort of hot take from you um yeah. you know I, I guess i guess for me um you know what what are your thoughts about kind of like you know working with with the dog coins like you know how, like obviously it's it's moved to decentralized governance and voting but like you know how do you see how what do you see are the issues there yeah, well, I mean, you know, when we first got the tokens, um, the Gitcoin multi-sig holders could have dumped them and netted $5 million for public goods. And and um, they didn't. And part of the reason that they didn't is because that would have moved the market 99% and probably destroyed the project. Um, and so if you think about it as a coordination game, we're now engaged with them to think about how do we create coordination for a positive sum for both projects. Yes. And... And, and so, you know, if you go to the gov.getcoin.co forums, then you'll see a lot of debate about what to do with the tokens. Some of the community is mistrustful. The, some of the Gitcoin community is distrustful of Akita. Some of it, the Akita community is distrustful of Gitcoin, but we're going to put it to a governance vote and that's how we're going to decide what to do with it. But I will say that I've been talking a lot to a relic who's the founder of Akita on Telegram and just like getting to know, you know, getting to know you uh, kind of stuff. Um, and, and I got to say that, like, I see a lot of myself in 2018 going through Techstars in Relic. Like, now Gitcoin is, like, arguably an important part of the crypto economy. Um, you know, I, I'd say that as humbly as possible. But, like, no, I think when I was 23, is. I didn't know anything about startups and starting out. And, like, all the people that, that invested in me and accelerated me and, and were a big part of my journey... Um, you know, there's now this, this interesting opportunity to pay it forward and to maybe make Akita into something more than it could be. And so um, I'd like to see them go through Kernel, which is Gitcoin's accelerator, Web3 accelerator. I would love to see them build something more than just memes. It sounds like they're building a DEX and they eventually want to build a social network. And so it's really about partnering with them in order to create a better outcome for both projects, I think. But it's really up to the governance, the community stewards to, to decide what to do. So, so I was talking with a friend of mine who's a who's an artist, and uh, uh, one thing I wanted to kind of run by you is an idea that kind of crossed our minds, right? Which is that, mm. uh, what if what if there was a public good where it was sort of a more of a repository of like Ethereum memes, you know, that it would involve all, like one of the ideas we had was kind of almost like the canonization of mm. sort of. Um, Llama corn, you know, it, just in terms of like having a defender of the of the faith, you know, in terms of more memification on behalf of Ethereum, right? So it, it feels like, in a sense, like you know, one way to one way, you know, it, it, to to play is to kind of like have a more meme coin uh, flavored variant, a little bit like what what uh, you know, Bantag did with Woofy. Uh, so it just feels like uh, it feels like that could there could be some fun there and it could there could also be like a very powerful public good, which is sort of a more memefied uh, Ethereum. Yeah. Well, what I, what I think is fun is that 
you know, like I figured out how to meme for the lulls. And by the way, like as someone who's cerebral and takes like a thousand characters to say anything that could be said in 200 characters, it's been hard <laughs> for me to figure out Twitter to be concise in like this role. Um, and now that I figured out memeing for the lulls, or at least, you know, sometimes, sometimes I have a tweet that'll, that'll go viral. Um, uh, I'm now trying to think like, okay, so how do we meme for the public good? Like, instead of just like creating lulls, how do we create public good? And, um, We've been experimenting with with a little bit of that on uh, on Gitcoin by just like placing bounties for the for the community to create uh, just like visual memes about public goods or about Ethereum. And I'll just really quickly share my screen really quick and just show you some of the swag that we've created all through bounties on Gitcoin. So like designers on Gitcoin who create uh, beautiful graphics about ultrasound money or I love about, it. I love uh, the bat about Ethereum, and so uh, I think like humans are visceral, and if we can find a way to like visually express that public goods are good, that's that's what we're trying to do. I'm excited about what you're saying, and one thing I'd love to kind of like uh, jawbone with you about is you know one of the things we're seeing uh, is is the emergence of these kind of sort of literal virtual lands kind of in the mm -hmm. nft world right so it might be really interesting to have like a quadratic land sale you know and and actually kind of have that be uh you know directed economic energy directed towards this kind of non-positive sum you know uh outcomes so i i don't know what your thoughts would be around something like that but that would be like a very meme-ish thing to do yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, right now we're just trying to make the quadratic lands an idea in people's minds. Um, I'll, I will be very happy if people have a positive affirmation, even just towards the idea. But, you know, once you have that, once you have that toehold of like, wait, we can build more than just decentralized casinos, we can build a better world with this technology. There's a lot of different ways that that could go. Um, open source funding is the start. But um, you know, I think what I would really like to see is other people create. So actually the quadratic lens is, is not my, like I'll create the, like the memes and like the vaporwave, like art about it, but it's actually an aggregation of all of our preferences. This is the magic thing about quadratic funding is like, I'm just the vessel through which quadratic funding on Gitcoin. Well, Gitcoin is the vessel through quadratic is through which quadratic funding flows in the community. And it's just the optimal expression of the community's preferences. It's not, it's not my opinion of what a better world is. It's an aggregation of all of our opinions of the better world. And so the quadratic lands is, is everyone's vision aggregated, aggregated together through a market-based mechanism. And so I'm really excited that like, you're ever in a, like a dream and like your subconscious presents back to you something that you like an idea that you didn't have. Like I'm excited yep. for that with the quadratic lands where like someone builds a version of it, like where, oh, I didn't conceive the world could be better in this way, but you did it. Like, thank you for doing it. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, uh, that's, that is, that's, I, I, I think that's a beautiful framing. I mean, for me, the thing that's kind of informed my whole kind of life mission is this idea that flows out of open source, which is this sort of competition for consent, right? Because mm -hmm. in a sense, like that's how the system kind of, you know, may eat itself, you know, because ultimately the thing that we I've seen with proprietary software and open source is ultimately that open source competes with proprietary software by putting proprietary software on its competitive matrix, right? So it's, so, so that's mm. the kind of judo throw that kind of makes me hopeful about the emergence yeah. of this kind of like open source financial infrastructure. 
there's a really great documentary called Revolution OS about Linux versus Microsoft in the 90s. And I, if you haven't checked it out, I recommend that you and your listeners do because, oh my gosh, like you're going up against the Death Star, like Linux going up against Microsoft and Linux won. It's really an, an incredible story that's a forefather, I think, to, to what we're doing in the blockchain space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got my start in the whole tech space. Uh, my first job in Silicon Valley was as a chief evangelist for java uh language you know and the thing that was fun about it was you know so i i, I ended up uh having a sushi lunch with um with guy kawasaki who is sort of the head evangelist mm-hmm. at, at for the macintosh platform and and mm-hmm. what he said to me is he said java can't win because you can't beat microsoft right <laughs> which mm-hmm. which and it's kind of hilarious when you look now like you know obviously there's a huge microsoft owns uh, Minecraft, which is probably the world's most successful, you know, Java desktop application, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's so, it's so, it, I don't know. I mean, I guess going back into that kind of like framing, I'd love to kind of watch this and, you know, just, just get that, get that vibe. Cause you know, I, I really feel like those mm-hmm. are the things that we've seen, you know, and we've seen the success of like GitHub and we've seen the success of Red Hat and we've seen, you know, and all of yeah. that massive economic value creation is really powered by consent only, right? And and in a sense, like yeah. you know, these 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 economic effects are kind of knock on effects. And I just can't wait to right. see what will happen with a primary financial infrastructure for open source. I mean, so here's the reason why I think DeFi is inevitable, and it's because like I know that I because I've been at ETH Denver, I know that two just two programmers can create something in a weekend at ETH Denver that would have taken a bank 10 years ago, $20 million <laughs> in 300 people. And it's because it's all open and it's all composable. You can build a lending platform in a weekend on Ethereum by just using DAI and then like you fork compound DAI and you know, like you've got all these composable parts that you can just like pip install. And because of that, we're like, we're now standing on the shoulders of giants. And I just think that it's inevitable. Like. I forget who said it, but they said like finance hasn't hasn't innovated at all since the ATM, like before yeah. blockchain. And one of the reasons why people even in, even like regulators and bankers are excited about DeFi is the composability and the exponential gains that come from every new primitive that is induced, induced can be applied to any other primitive. And the permutations of what you can build are just so much bigger because of that. And that's why I think that um, DeFi is going to beat the traditional banking system just because you're going to build a better mousetrap because you have exponential and uh, exponential returns on your time working on on DeFi, and so um, it's less philosophical than it is just a convenience of composability that that I think DeFi can win. I'm super excited about that framing, and for me, the thing that I think is really interesting when you frame it uh, with in terms of the quest for fairness right is to me that's why i feel like it has to win because there's two properties that are so interesting is the fork ability is so fascinating because mm-hmm. it creates choices right so in a sense it's sort of yeah. like well if you don't like it then fork it and go you know like that'll be fine everyone will be satisfied right so yeah. please please go ahead right and so because of that it means the ability of the system the meta system to maintain consent is is just higher than anything else in sight, right? So, so I, I totally. just that's the thing I pin my hopes on. So I, I just think it's a beautiful uh, future. Yeah. 
Well, I'll take you back to my quote about the consent of the governed. The only legitimate basis for a government uh, is consent of the governed. So I, I would love really to. Uh, I'd love to share with you my whole thing on the uh, ritual of coronation and the monopolization of the divine right of monarchy and the emergence of the Renaissance oh. and and the skilled craft this guilds. Is, but I. This but is I, some I heavy I, governance stuff. This is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wish we had more time to get into it. <laughs> Let's. Uh, I'd love to set up a time just to hang out. So we'll, we, hopefully we can do that. This has been a great conversation. Totally. Um, yeah, I think we're just about out of time. Uh, how would you like to wrap it up? Uh, you know, I think uh, I'd just like to thank you so much for joining the show. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll ha have you back uh, at some other time, I hope. Sounds good. Public goods are Thanks good. So much. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you.